Well, I'm excited to preach. I'm uh, running on all six cylinders. I'm ready to go. Um, I love to minister here. Um, I mean, this is my home church, but the reason that I love to minister here is because here we are fervently about the gospel. We're fervently about the love of God. We are fervently about the mercy of God, the compassion of God, because it's only the love of God that transforms the life. It's the only thing. Not, Not doctrine and not teaching or anything like that. Um, the Bible, as you know, is not a textbook. It's a living word. And it has the power to transform your life. And I'm a walking and living testimony of that truth. And what I believe God has put on my heart today is going gonna, is gonna to really bless you. And as much as it's blessed me, um, God is good. I'm so excited that we have a gospel that works. Amen? Amen? That it actually changes you from the inside out. Um, it changes your emotions. It changes the way that you feel when you wake up. That you're not waking up as someone who's defeated, but you can wake up as an overcomer. And no matter what life throws at you, you don't look at it as a problem. It's just an obstacle that you will overcome. Because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And that is true for each and every one of us. If we have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he currently abides and he's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave when you mess up. He's not going to leave when you make a mistake. He's there forever. It's a promise. Hebrews 13.5 says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That promise is for each and every one of us. And when we become aware of that truth, we can walk through life differently. That we can walk as if it's a lion who walks beside you. That wherever you go, just like that song, we're no longer a slave to fear. Do you know that is our identity in Christ? We are not the children of God to walk in fear. With nothing. It says that we are the light of the world. And when we walk, darkness shall flee. Man, that's a beautiful truth. Because I don't like the darkness. I think the love of God is the light of God. It's what brings light into the darkest places. And it's good. So, to start off with uh, what God's been pouring on my heart is Romans 8.1. You, if you got your smartphones, your Bibles, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have to know that. That has to be established in your heart when you walk through life. Because how many of us are going to make mistakes? How many of us are going to fail? <laughs> yeah, we're all going to make mistakes. And so it's important that no matter what, that you know, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, we know that. We we, we know that. But the thing I think that we don't know 
sometimes or we don't believe in our heart is that we condemn ourselves. We believe that, sure, God doesn't condemn me, but we condemn ourselves. And another translation, I think it's the New King James Version, says, for those who walk according, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And where I'm getting with that, who do not walk according to the flesh, is to walk according to the world out here. It's walking according to your natural senses. But according to the Spirit, there's a, there's a truth and there's a reality that is, that is way bigger than what you can see with your natural eyes. I wanted to share a definition for condemnation, which says, I pulled this out of the Blue Letter Bible, it says, to distinguish, choose, give an opinion upon, sometimes denotes to condemn. And here's the root word from condemnation. It is katakrino. Everybody say that with me. Katakrino. Katakrino, yeah. Uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon gives it to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment to condemn. Did you hear that? To judge worthy of punishment to condemn. What I hope to spark in your heart through the Holy Spirit who is in me is to let go of self-judgment, to be free from all self-judgment and help you discover what self-judgment is and how self-judgment affects all of our lives and then give you the solution how you can be free from self-judgment. See, we do that. To judge worthy of punishment, don't we? We make a mistake, and then we judge that we're worthy of, of punishment. When we live in that condemnation, our, our heart has these boundaries that we allow ourselves to either go above or below. But I want to share something with you that is greater that, and that's the truth of God. And I'm going to show you in uh, 1 Corinthians 4 that we don't even have the right to judge ourselves. Have you, have you heard that? That's good news. All right, so it starts with, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. I like that a lot because... He said, it's no big deal. You judge me, it don't matter. It ain't going to phase me. It ain't going to move me. It's not going to do anything, right? I love that. So what? You can't judge me. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 4. 1 Corinthians uh, it's 4, verse 3 through 4. Yeah. For I know of nothing against myself. <laughs> Yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Yes. This word justify 
It means to, to declare to be righteous, to pronounce righteous. See, this is a two-sided coin as far as self-judgment. Not only do you not have the right to condemn yourself, but we don't have the right to justify ourselves. No right. That's God's right. But he who judges me is the Lord. I mean, look at the life of Paul. This guy brought thousands of Christians into prison. Thousands. He's, he's responsible for the beheading of many Christians. But there's something that he learned by the Spirit of God. And that was that I don't judge myself. That I don't have the right to judge myself. And people don't have the right to judge me. They can judge me, but it doesn't move me. I don't need your acceptance to feel accepted. I don't need your love to feel loved. Because I'm loved by God, the creator of everything. So it's like, you're going to judge me? Well, I'm, I'm God's beloved. I'm, I'm God's child. I'm his son. So you can judge me all you want. But guess what? It ain't going to mess up my step. It ain't going to mess up my walk. Because I'm going to walk with joy. And I'm going to walk with happiness. And I'm going to be walking with peace. That is not of my own. Because I've chosen to not judge myself, to not condemn myself, to not justify myself. But God is the one who judges. And we look at Jesus. He is the one who set the example of where our judgment went, of how God judges us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he became sin who knew no sin. Jesus walked through life and was spotless and blameless to the T. He was perfect. And guess what he did for each and every one of us? Because of his amazing love, he took on every evil, sinful desire. He took on sinful nature. He took on all of that darkness. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. He took our old man, our old nature, and took that upon himself so that we could be free from shame, so that we could be free from condemnation, so that we could be free from having the need to justify ourselves. Man, don't we do that? We compare ourselves amongst each other to try and build ourselves up. I'm telling you, that's false. I've done it for far too long and it's caused too much pain. That's, that's the bottom line. This is to live life free from pain. Because as long as we hold our opinions, our views, our judgments above the views and the judgments of God, we will walk in a life of series of pain. 
I'm not saying that you'll be, life will not have pain, but what I am saying is you'll have the strength to overcome everything. And when you hold God's view and opinions above your own, instead of bearing that stuff, covering it up, we do that. We say, I'm free, I'm free. If you haven't dealt with it, no, you're not. And I I say that because I can speak for myself. There's things I've covered up. There's there's wounds I didn't let heal. I'm like, oh, I'm over that. It's okay. It doesn't faze me. But then when I'm real with God and I allow him and I recognize, man, there's a pain there. When I recognize that, I'm able to deal with the issue. See, we have a really good ability of ignoring pain. Don't we? Yeah. We do it all the time. For me, I smoked pot for every morning for seven, eight years. I did meth for six years. I did all these drugs because I wanted to cover up the pain. As long as I could live on a high, I didn't have to face reality. I was afraid. It was fear. It was fear that was holding me back from walking in a life that is full and abundant. Because I didn't know how to deal with the pain. And that's true, we don't. But when we meet Jesus, that can all change. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That's a promise for each and every one of us. So I'm going to take you through a wonderful story in the Bible. It's, act, it's one of my favorites, and it, and it just rocks me every time. So it's Luke 7.36, verse 38. It says here, verse 36, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. This is Jesus talking. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. So if you know anything about a Pharisee, a Pharisee is someone who would judge their their end in life or where they would go based upon all the good things that they have done. It's someone who, who lived completely externally away from their heart. You know, Jesus said something about the Pharisees. He said, you're whitewashed tombs with dead bones inside. You look all nice and pretty on the outside, but you're dead on the inside because you haven't connected with God in your heart and you believe something about God that is not true. So what you believe about God is what you become. Whatever you behold, in that image, that's what you're going to become. So Jesus, going to a legalistic person's house, pastor, whatever you want to call it. Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Anytime you see behold, it's saying, pay attention. All right? Be aware. A woman in the city who was a sinner. And my question is, there's a lot of sinners in the city. 
Like, why do we got to point out this woman right here? When she, I'm going to go, and so sinner means devoted to sin, a sinner not free from sin, preeminently sinful, especially wicked, all wicked men, specifically of men stained with certain uh, definite vices or crimes, tax collectors, and heathens. One translation says, and a woman in the city who was especially wicked. Another, another translation in the Message Bible says, a, uh, the, the town harlot. Yeah? So she knew her business, you know? She, she knew. When she knew, oh, I got to stop. What is this woman doing coming, coming to a Pharisee's house? Well, that's the last place you want to go. These, these are the people who are beating people up with the law, condemning them, and, and constantly shoving in their face that you're not good enough, that you don't meet, you don't meet the standard of, you don't meet the standard of God. So why would she go there? Why would she go to this guy's house? I just think it's amazing courage that this woman had to have. And it says, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table, there's something about knowing. She perceived that Jesus was there. She perceived that this Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. She had maybe heard stories of, of him walking around and preaching. But here's the thing. It doesn't mention that she, she was at the Sermon on the Mount or anything, or she heard a great message. But she knew that Jesus, she heard something. And she didn't need to hear a great message to come to him. She knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Verse 38. And this is going to rock you. And stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Wow. He stood at his feet behind him weeping. She didn't even feel like she could go before him. She stood behind. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, wipe them with the hair of her head. And man, when I read this about a month ago, I was strongly convicted because I asked myself, when's the last time that I've gone before the feet of Jesus with this amount of thankfulness, with this amount of, amount of gratitude? It's amazing. And I instantly began to just sob and cry. I'm like, wow. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to his feet and you have to cry. But there's amount of thankfulness, amount of gratitude in just who he is. You notice the woman didn't ask Jesus anything. 
just being there. That's all she needed. She had heard that this is the prophesied Messiah. This is the Son of God. And she went. She didn't let anything hold her back. I could just picture people trying to hold her back. She's like, I'm going. I don't care. I may not be received, but I'm going. Imagine that knock on the door. And one of the servants, you know, open the door and tell the Pharisee, you never believe who's at the door. This is a town harlot. This is especially a wicked sinner. Is at your door. And maybe he said, send her away. I don't no, we don't want her around. You know? Pharisee legalistic people are afraid to get dirt on them. Like, like that's gonna affect you. But if you're in Jesus, nothing's gonna get on you but Jesus. <laughs> Go back to verse 38. So I believe there was something. That she, had, that she had read or, or someone had told her. And I want to go to, um, if you would go with me to Isaiah 52. And this is good. All right. And we'll go to verse, we'll go to verse 10. Oh. It says, So picture this woman, this especially wicked woman, reading this, okay? As before she goes to Jesus. It says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Verse 2. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise. I like that. It's like, to me, it's saying, like, the stuff you've been dragging along from your past, shake that stuff off. Shake the dust off and arise. You know, in order to arise, we got to change our posture. we got to change our attitude. We're sitting, and now we're arising. You got to stand up. You got to put on a new attitude and look at life a whole lot differently. Sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck. I don't want that. That sounds horrible. To have a bond around your neck, that's slavery. O captive daughter of Zion. This woman... Was she not a captive? Was she not in bondage? Was she not in slavery? She's a daughter. She's a daughter of God. Verse 3. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. I can just see her just weeping. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't valued myself. Well, a lot of times we just sell ourselves for nothing. We don't value ourselves by the actions that we make and the things that we believe. We're basically saying, here you go, devil. Here I am. But, and you shall be redeemed without money. 
We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's no payment that you could ever make, that we could ever make, for salvation. Nothing. Verse 4. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Verse 5. Now therefore, what I have here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing. Those who rule over them, make them well. Man, pain. There's a lot of pain in bondage. Says the Lord, and my name is blasphemy continually every day. Verse 6. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. This is talking about our Messiah, our King. He's alive. Verse 7. And this is the part I felt like she's down at his feet. She's weeping. She's crying. She's wiping his, his feet with, with her hair. He says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. This woman desperately, desperately needed to hear some good news, right? She probably hadn't heard any good news. She probably didn't have any peace. Nothing. She heard about Jesus, though, and that was enough. Verse 8. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. Man, when you get a hold of Jesus and believe in your heart, your voice is going to lift. You have power in your words. With their voices they shall sing together. You're going to sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Verse 9. Break forth into joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. Have you ever felt like there's something that is impossible in your life? Something that you can't overcome. It's a wasted land. We all have struggles. We all have failures. But Jesus, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. There's a lot of hope in Jesus. Verse 10. The Lord has made bare his holy arm. I like that. Anytime it mentions the Lord's arm, that's his power. Right? That's his power. And the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. You want to know how the Lord reveals his power? It's through love. It's through mercy. It's through compassion. It's through loving the unlovable. Man, I, I can just see this, this woman reading this and saying, there is hope. 
for me, that there's something greater. There's a life that I've not even began to understand or see. She had probably never even thought of her life being any differently. She was trapped in circumstances of life, trapped by the words that people have spoken over her from a, from a child that told her, you're not worth it, that you're not going to ever do anything. And those words just penetrated her heart, and there was all this pain. But I got great news for you. And that's in an instant, in just one instant, your life can be transformed. Things that have seemed impossible your whole life can break. Just like that. We've got to change our perspective. Because sometimes we see things a certain way. But if we step out and look at it from a different angle... We'll see the truth and the reality. See, that's the truth about our views and our opinions. They're, they're faulted. They're incorrect a lot of times. We're viewing the world through grass, through, through grasses, yeah. <laughs> through glasses that are broken. And you're not going to see things correctly. That's why we relinquish our need to judge the world around us, to judge ourselves. So we can be free from that pain so that we can see things as they really are and not just through the emotions and the pain because it's real hard to see clearly when we're in pain. Real difficult. I would say it's impossible. We got to deal with that stuff. We have to go to him. He's the only one who can heal. He's, he came, I love that, he came to heal the brokenhearted. I've walked through life, most of my life, brokenhearted. Fear of rejection. <clears throat> Believing I'm less than. What you see up here is someone who's chosen to believe what God says about me more than what I believe about myself. And it's powerful. And it's something that is not of my own. Because grace is God's ability working in you to do the things that you can't do. It's his ability. It's his influence. And that's what Jesus came to do. He was full of grace and truth. God desires for this stuff to work. Not just be something that we intellectualize and we learn. It's meant to be real. It's meant to be an emotion that comes from our deepest being and changes our entire lives. So let's go back to the story, to verse 39. It says, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, so you remember what was previous, the woman weeping at his feet and drying you know, his feet with her, with her hair. So they're seeing this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, 
if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is especially wicked. This original translation or the original language for he spoke to himself is he spoke within himself. So he didn't actually verbalize this. He was in his heart. He was saying, this man, if, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is especially wicked. The, the word, I looked up the word prophet, and one definition um, from the root word is to make known one's thoughts. Wow. See, this guy had a, a twisted view of who God was because of religion. He was saying, if you knew the thoughts of God, you would know who and what manner of woman this is. He didn't know who God really was. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus is the full expression. That means the exact image of who God is. If we got it twisted that Jesus is different from God the Father, then our belief is wrong. Sorry to bust your bubble, but it is. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 1.3 that he is the express image of the Father. So what does that mean? That means when you read about the way that Jesus treated people, like this woman, that's how God is. That's how the Father is. He said, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching. This word touching is to fasten oneself to, adhere to, and cling to. Verse 40. And Jesus answered, and remember, like I said, he spoke within himself. Jesus answered him without him actually verbally saying anything because Jesus is someone who discerns the heart, right? And said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Verse 41, and I love it. Jesus gives stories. I'm going to give you the right answer. I'm going to tell you. No, he gives, he gives stories so people can get the answer for themselves. Right? Not, I know it's right. I'm going to tell you what's right. I love Jesus. He's awesome. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50 um, I looked up a denarii is like a day's wage back then, so you could say the one guy, the 50, owed two or three months worth of, you know, of money that he made, and the other guy, 500, man, <laughs> the guy's in a few years of, of debt. So, verse 42, and when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Aren't we in that situation? When they had nothing with which to repay. Man, that's us. There's nothing that we can do to repay him. But 
Romans 5, 8 says that when we were still sinners, lost in our sin, dead in our sin, Christ came to forgive us. Tell me, therefore, he asked Simon, which of them will love him more? This word, will love, comes from uh, the Greek word, I think, agape, which is uh, to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same. I like that, exhibit the same. Which one will, uh, will exhi- exhibit the same attitude the same heart that I have shown unto them. Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. But here's the truth. Whether our debt is big or small, it's the same. God does not have a a sin grading chart. God sees a flat line. Whether your sins are great or small, guess what? We're all in the same boat. All of us. And there's nothing that we could do to earn it. Nothing, good or bad. We have no right to condemn ourselves or justify ourselves. Because it's a gift. It's a gift of God. Verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I don't think this guy had seen this woman, really seen her. See, the Bible says in 1 Samuel that God looks at the heart and man looks at the outward appearance. He said, do you see this woman's heart? Do you you see her? I mean, we could be convicted right there. How many times do we actually see people? How often? Or do we just see what's on the outside, their behaviors and the things that they're doing? But do we see their heart? Man, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Verse 45, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Verse 47, therefore, I say to you, talking to Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Man, I, I, want to, I want to be realized that I've been forgiven much so I can love much. I don't want to view my life based upon my broken glasses of my views and opinions of where I stand. Because it's God who judges me. And that judgment is good. Because it's, it's bought with the blood of Jesus. That he shed his blood for each and every one of us. 
so I no longer have to condemn or justify myself, but I'm free to walk in righteousness because the spirit in me, you know, I'm one-third wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. (laughs) God sees my spirit. In my spirit, I am made perfect. The Bible says in Ephesians 115 through 119 that you've been given the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. But guess what? If you hold your, uh, your views and your opinions and your judgments higher than God, guess what? We'll never walk in that reality, even though it's readily available. It's right there. God has given us everything. The Bible says that in Colossians 2.10 that we are complete in Christ. (coughs) Complete. You lack nothing. You don't get more, Jesus. When you believed on his name, you got all of them. And he ain't leaking out. (laughs) The only problem is, are we connecting with his love and his mercy and his grace in our heart. See, your heart is like an ignition switch. And like a, like a space shuttle, I like to see it. Like a billion dollar space shuttle. The thing looks real nice. But guess what? That thing ain't going nowhere if it don't have an ignition switch. If you want to go to the moon... You want to go to the moon? <laughs> you got to engage God in your heart to where it affects your emotions, to where it affects you from the inside out. And you'll blast off with such power Amen. that people will look at you, wow. You know? Verse 48. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Yes. Forgiveness is wonderful. Imagine if we woke up every day and forgiveness was a reality. That our past no longer haunted us. That our mistakes and failures, and I mean past, they could be yesterday. Forgiveness is now. God is a God that is in the now. Salvation is today. Sometimes we wait for all our ducks to line up in a row. Everything's got to be set. And we're waiting. But I got news for you from my own experience. You're going to be waiting a long time. Because if you can't receive it with where you're at right now, then nothing's going to happen. This word forgiveness, some definitions means to send away, to let go, give up a debt, Forgive to remit. She was telling this woman who was called especially wicked many large amounts of sin, said, I I send those away. You are free. You are free. I'm not going to bring them up anymore. I'm not going to rehash them. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it says, love keeps no record of wrong. Isn't that good news? 
And that's his heart. That's forgiveness. He doesn't, he's not writing down your records of wrong. And guess what? I've got news for you. When you get to heaven, he's not going to show you a videotape of everything that you've done wrong. Where did you find that? It ain't in the Bible. If you're in Jesus, then yes, there are rewards, but everything is after your newly created identity, which is in Christ. He judges you based upon who you are in Christ. He looks at you, looks at Jesus. Jesus said, I I gave my blood for them. And the Father says, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with that sacrifice. If you read Hebrews 10 and you dig into that, it was a sacrifice that was once and for all. Done. Finished. No more. We don't have to remember our sins anymore. We don't have to remember it. We can let go. But we got to deal with the pain. We, got, we, we can't be afraid. We have to be established in God's love for us. Because I got news for you. If we're not, we'll never have the confidence to go to him with our pains, with our hurts. We'll be scared. We'll be afraid because we, we can't face it. But God, his, his mercy and his grace, he'll, he'll help you through. He'll pull you along kindly and gently. He's good. He's a good father. Verse 49. And those who sat at the table with him, so there's a bunch of other these crazy pastors, <laughs> at the table with him began to say to themselves, this is the same language that they spoke within themselves. So once again, they're saying in their heart, who is this who even forgives sins? Who? Well, this is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 50. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This word saved, as many of y'all have heard, is made whole, rescued, um, keep safe and sound to rescue from danger or destruction. Man, when God offers you salvation, it's not just a ticket to heaven. But Jesus said, I came to give you life more abundantly. Abundant life is now. Right now. When we choose to believe in that, our boundaries will begin to expand. We'll begin to see our lives the way that God sees it. That you're loaded, each and every one of you, with the potential to walk in an amazing life. Not saying you have to go to some foreign mission field or or do some extravagant thing. But what I am telling you is it's possible with wherever we are in life that you can walk with a sense and an abiding feeling of calmness, with abiding feeling of peace. There's nothing, nothing worth more valuable than peace. Man, that when I got a hold of that high, and it's free, <laughs> not up in smoke. 
we can get a hold of the peace of God. It's it's amazing. You'll just want more. I think we've, as Clint would say, religify everything. But if we, it's the Lord said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted that, you don't have to pull me along to keep me going. I am moved. I have a momentum that when an object gets at 1,000 miles per hour, it's hard to do a U-churn, right? So I'm gonna bl- we're going to blast off so there ain't no turning back. This word, go in peace, a state of national tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. The pain in our lives, we have this uh, eternal conflict. We have this eternal chaos. But like the woman that we read about in this story, I love because an example of two important things is that she made Jesus Lord. We think making Jesus Lord is about doing a bunch of circus acts. Making Jesus Lord is committing in your heart that his views and his opinions are above yours. It's surrendering the way that we view life and we view ourselves to accept the amazing, unconditional, radical grace and love of God. That God is pursuing us every single moment of the day. It's possible to live life and be free from that eternal conflict and that chaos. But we got to recognize the pain. We have to recognize the pain. And what we do is when we recognize that pain, we also recognize the value of being free from that pain. And when that being free from that pain becomes a reality so much to the, to the degree that your emotions change, then you will have confidence and an expectation to recognize the pain because God is there with you every single moment. You're not ever doing anything alone. This would be very hard for me to walk in any kind of freedom or transformation if I didn't believe that God was with me, Amen. that God was for me. I got one last verse, and we're going to close in prayer. It's uh, Philippians 3, verse 13 through verse 14. And it says, Brethren, brothers, this is Paul speaking, I do not count myself to have apprehended. What he's saying is, I don't count myself to have it all figured out. You know, 
I'm learning. I'm growing. Amen. That's a good place to be. Amen. Keep yourself humble. <laughs> but, one, but one thing I do, he said, he didn't say out of all the things I do, he said, the one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the abundant life. Go back to verse 13. Forgetting those things which are behind. I want you to walk out of here and try to walk like this. I want you to see how far you'll get. Because you're bound to run into something when you're looking behind. But when you got your eyes ahead, you can stay the course. And that life is abundant. And forgiveness, the world stands forgiven because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. But until they receive that forgiveness, that free gift, then they'll never, they'll never walk in the abundant life that God has. God is for us. God is not out to control us or manipulate us or get us to do something that we don't want to do. God will change your desires from the inside out. We really don't know ourselves. I'm telling you, we think we do. God knows you a lot better than you know yourself. It says that he has numbered every hair on your head. That's funny. <laughs> He's good. But make Jesus Lord in your heart and receive forgiveness. Let go of self-judgment. Come into the freedom of being free from that. Let one thing define you. That's his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Amen. See, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who gave himself for me and died for me. Paul had identified himself so much to the degree that he said, I'm crucified with him. When Jesus was on that cross and became sin, I died with him. My past was nailed to that cross. My failures, my mistakes, everything that's been holding me back was nailed to that cross. And if anybody could say that is a man who murdered Christians. He said, I no longer look behind because if he did, he would have never done what God had called him to do. But here's the great news. that you not only died with him, you rose with him. And when he came out of that tomb, he was dead for three days. And he rose, he was a lion coming out to set captives free, to bring liberty, to heal the brokenhearted. He, he places out his hand 
And he invites every single one of us to walk in the same quality of life that he has. Isn't that beautiful? What kind of life does God have? What kind of quality does he have? Wow. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> You're awesome. We love you. We thank you. We just I just thank you right now. Just right now we just speak to ourselves. We just if it's silently, we just say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of of judging myself justifying myself. I choose to be free from that right now. And I come before your feet, before the feet of the king, and I surrender those judgments right now. I surrender those views and opinions and accept your view and your opinion of me and the people around me. I relinquish control I surrender to your lordship. I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for that. If you've never received Jesus, if you're watching online or you're here today, and that's something you want to do, there's not a magic formula. It's every head bowed. If that's something that you want to, you want to do today, all you do is have to say, yes, yes, Jesus. I need your forgiveness. I need, I need you to rescue me. I need your help, just like the woman. I need you. I come before your feet. Save me. And if you said that and you believed it in your heart, you stand today as a child of God. Amen.